Welcome back to How to Tickle Yourself. I'm your host, Duff McDonald, along with my co-host, Matt McButter. We are extremely excited about today's guest, who lives a stone's throw from me at Rockledge over in Woodstock Town. A hallucinatory keyboard wizard, songwriter, and all-around musical artist. His name is Marco Benevento, and he's one of the few guests we've had on this show whose work has made me dance. An accomplished solo artist, as well as a member of the Grateful Dead tribute band, Joe Russo's Almost Dead, Benevento released his latest album this spring. I wrote in Tickled how quarantine proved a blessing of sorts for me, bringing me the quiet and contemplation necessary for a wholesale takeover of my mind by my spirit. Marco seems to have had somewhat of a parallel experience, and he used the isolation and mental solitude of quarantine to record a 40-minute delight of small-batch psychedelia in his home studio at the base of the Catskill Mountains. In a nod to Paul McCartney's first solo album, it's called Benevento. And I want to quote something that Marco said before we get in here. He said, the studio was a good place to be trapped, surrounded by tape machines and gear. The album started to become this document of a crazy dude losing his mind in the woods and maybe regaining it. You are speaking my language, Marco. Welcome to the show. It is a pleasure to have you. Wow. It is a pleasure to be here. And, and what an intro. Uh, I, I must, I need to, re- need to get a copy of this. Uh, I need to write that down because it's a great description of, uh, you know, of what I've been up to. <laughs> present moment traveling town to town the mystery of the motion right here right now right here right now Whoa, right here right now so this is this is not your first rodeo uh, this album. You've been playing in and around New York for 20 plus years. You have several albums under your belt and I've been immersed in them over the last several weeks in preparation for this interview. And what I would say about Benevento is it strikes me as the closest to a dance rock album uh, as you've made. It's joyful. Uh, my wife and I were actually driving back from the city like three nights ago, and it was pouring rain. It was one of those crazy drives where you're sort of gripping the steering wheel uh, in the dark, and we ha- you had us dancing in our seats. It is a fun, fun album. Thank you for making it. Uh, tell us what was going on. What happened? How did how to it come to be? Ay, ay, ay. Uh... <laughs> I'm glad you feel that way and that it was, that is a, it is, it is a dancey uplifting record. Of course, being that I made it during the time of a relatively dark period for a lot of people in the world and in general, but, um, we just got back from a tour, a West coast tour, and we played a lot of those new songs and they fit right into the set like so easily. And it was like, you know, seeing people dance to all these new songs, I was like, right, these are dance songs. And 
you know, as, uh, as I look back at it, um, you know, it, yeah, they are uplifting and, and <laughs> I'm glad it turned out that way. Cause it could have been a lot, it could have been a lot, uh, more dark. And, uh, you know, what I'm noticing is, is that this sort of first batch of, of this, you know, uh, for this record for Benevento, because we're, I'm planning on doing a Benevento too, kind of like a quick follow-up because I have so much music that I made during that time period. And those songs came on in the first record here, I think because they're the most brightest and danceable songs. Now that I'm working on this sort of second batch here, I'm like, wow, all these are really dark. Uh, you know, <laughs> and I'm thinking, I, I, I was like, well, this is going to be so different. Like, what do I do with these songs? Uh, so I'm sitting, you know, because the sort of a batch was the, 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 basically the ones that I released and yeah, they are uplifting and dancey. And I, yeah, I chose to put those out first cause that's what I'm drawn to. And that's, uh, you know, what our live show was all about as well. You know, it's about dancing and having a good time and, uh, kind of simple song forms, not too crazy stuff uh, for a whole night of, of music and dance. And now that I'm listening to all this stuff, I'm like, wow, this is going to be, there are some other dancey ones in there, but uh, it's uh, interesting to listen to them right now. Cause I'm in this sort of demo ending of the demo phase with this second batch. And, uh, and they are, they are different. They are slightly darker, <laughs> but so, uh, so like I wrote a book and I mentioned it in there briefly called tickled during quarantine where where basically i was like you know what this is a scary time however um we can appreciate the glory of our own existence right what it what it gave me was an opportunity to do that and you have in there you know you have some songs where you're singing uh you have some songs where you have some kind of samples and stuff going but in marco and mimo uh you say there's and i think i'm quoting it right you say, I appreciate the way you accentuate what I consider the positive. How about a round of applause for the positive? And um, my experience uh, during COVID was like, yes, it's scary, but we can't forget that we exist. And it's a wonderful thing that we exist. And I feel like that album, the whole album sort of throws off that mood. That's beautiful. Yeah, and it, and it does. And I feel like even some other songs from either previous records like that's that's always kind of been my or you know i hope to, for that to always be my mentality <laughs> and in general it is you know it's uh you know no matter it's easy to uh it's easy to dwell on the negative how about we how about we you know give a round of applause for the positive which actually is uh a quote from james booker my most favorite uh ah. pianist and he i have a bunch of bootlegs and records and all sorts of recordings of him playing. And I just, I study his stuff. Like I love James Booker so much. And he says that in a show and I, and I full on stole it from him. And I love that. And uh, you know, and, and, and I decided, and I've been saying it a lot at shows, you know, and other songs, you know, here and there. And then this time it finally made on the record and Kevin, my manager was like, that's great. You should put that in there. It's like a, little tribute to James Booker there. That's really, that's cool. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, um, while I was quarantined and working on all this music, we figured out a way to, to have a good time and, you know, living here in Woodstock, I mean, I should, you know, it's just beautiful trees out there and, and foliage. And I, 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 
couldn't have had a better spot to to sort of be isolated. I was living the dream in a way, you know, it was very weird, but it was, I at least was here, you know, uh, uh, being creative and uh, able to work. Um, but I, uh, you know, I, I, I just worked on these tunes over and over and, and we figured out a way to get um, Mimo, the African uh, drum teacher over from our kid's school. So we had Mimo set up outside, you know, masks on, uh, you know, microphones outside. I, I gave him like water and like some cake and like some food outside. And he had, he had all these drums set up and his wife who also teaches there hung out outside with my, my wife. And we recorded, uh, I had Mimo record on like three tracks and there's something about having those, those drum sounds in the mix. It kind of transferred the music into like a whole nother realm for me. Like I don't, I don't have those sounds on any other of my records. So those sounds are, are positive sounds, dancing, like trance-like sounds. Uh, and to me, having those, those drum sounds in the mix, like kind of really added a lot to the soul, the, the sort of, sort of African element, like the influences of African musicians that I like, like Kiki Guyan and, uh, Francis Bebe and William Onyabar, uh, you know, William Onyabar. Um, so, you know, and I, when I am listening to music and I am a vinyl junkie uh, and I'm collecting records and I went, when I do put a record on, I generally go towards that genre. I love that music and it is it's positive, it's dancey, it's simple to get, it's a positive message. And I was like, oh, I should, I should kind of, you know, I, I don't have any other songs on any other records that are like that. And meanwhile, it's kind of like my favorite thing to listen to. Like, why don't I try to dial in that sound and dial, dial that in for a couple of songs on, on the record. So, so I did, I did, uh, I did, like I said, I just did a full immersion. I'm going to give you my, uh, my list of my favorites, uh, from two weeks of, uh, all Benevento, uh, golden on me, not me. Beautiful cover. It's fucking amazing. Nice. Uh, record book off invisible baby. Love the fucking jazziness of it. Uh, drop kick. Off the story of Fred Short, heavy metal floating upstream made me think of Jim James, but that one off Woodstock sessions is a great performance. Wow. Uh, let it slide. And speaking of vinyl, we got some let it slide right here. Right? <laughs> nice. And a couple off uh, Benevento winter rose is great. Do you want some magic is a great tune. Um, if I look at all of those together, they're not, they do not seem to be the work of the same artist. If you looked at them and said, what are these? You might not put that together. So you're kind of a roving uh, explorer in your music, right? You don't sit still. Is there like a pole star? Like, what is it? What is the guiding thing? Cause you are, and I don't mean, this is not negative. You are all over the place uh, in a good way. Right. So what is the, what is, uh, what do you follow? What, like, you know, there's your muse, but you know, how do you go from this to this, to this, to that? I mean, well, it's, I mean, it's kind of simple. If you think about it, like imagine the amount of music that I'm listening to and learning about, you know, like I'm discovering new genres of music now <laughs> still. I mean, I've, I'm just, I'm constantly searching. And, and, I, and then I'm also like, uh, as a, as a 
pianist <laughs> sitting here at my piano. Um, <laughs> I I'm constantly learning about harmony and about rhythm and about music and about songs and about composers. So of course I'm going to be evolving fast because I'm, I'm learning about so much music. And of course I'm going to be putting out different stuff as I go, uh, as I make records. And also just to say, you know, that song record book that, that was on your list and the song uh, winter rose that was on that list. You know, those songs were written uh, 16 years apart. Right. Right. So, you know, we're talking <laughs> about, we're not talking about like a little six year period, a seven year period when I, where I made records and they all kind of, they sound similar, but they're all a little different. Like this is a, I'm, I'm already in my almost 20 year period of making records. And that's a long period of time. Mm-hmm. I feel like uh, also a short period of time. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of different things that, that are going on that are evolving in my head. I'm learning about all sorts of different music that's out there uh, and rounding it out by learning about all different instruments. I'm playing a lot of bass as well. I'm playing a lot of drums. I'm working with different producers and, and being influenced by them, going to different studios, playing with different people. So, but yeah, I hear you. You're right. It's, it's different stuff. Like, you would hear, like I said, record book and think, oh, it's kind of like a jazzy guy that maybe listened to uh, the Bad Plus or Brad Meldow or uh, sort of some modern jazz, jazzier stuff. And then and you listen to Winter Rose and or some songs off the newer record and you, would, you wouldn't think that same artist maybe put out that same song. But, um, but like I said about the African music, like there's different sort of genres and styles that I dive into and then you, and you kind of like it and then you realize, oh, that song sounds like that and you embrace it and almost try to make it sound like that in your own little weird way. But, uh, you know. So, uh, so I was talking to uh, Kevin Calabro, who's your partner at uh, Royal Potato Family, who we, uh, we had on here, and he described you as a cross between Leon Russell one of the gods of old school songwriter, piano rock and uh, LCD sound system. Yeah. Um, I went to, I went to the opening of the Bob Dylan center in Tulsa in uh, May and visited church studios. Have you ever been there? No, that's cool though. That's awesome. Oh my God. It's a shrine for it. You will be on your knees at the door there. It's a shrine to, um, uh, both Leon Russell, but also music recording. It's a badass studio. Cool. Um, cool. um, so, um, but definitely this last one is a little more experimental than let it slide. I would say, yeah. um, um, I, actually, I just, to, sorry to interrupt you, but just to say that, uh, by, um, a friend of mine, uh, I was sort of, uh, telling him about what I was working on during the pandemic. And, and I, and he, and I was like, yeah, I, I think I'm, I think I'm just going to make this record and I'm just going to play all the instruments. Cause it's, you know, I don't want to have anybody over cause of COVID. And I, I kind of don't even want to like, I kind of just want to try to do it all myself and, you know, play all the instruments. Uh, and my friend was like, oh, you haven't made a record like that yet. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought like, oh, right. Like I, kind of would totally make sense for me to do that and like yeah i should make a record like that where i'm doing everything and that you know uh and so what's your your friend lenny kravitz (laughs) 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 
Oh God, I love oh, no Lenny way. Kravitz. Uh, <laughs> I know those records are amazing. Um, and he he did all that here too, actually in Woodstock. Uh, yeah, all, a lot of those. I think that video was shot here too, right? Um, anyway. Very cool. But with all the, I mean, all the instruments and for those who are listening to this, you know, just audio, um, you know, Marco's studio is in the background. It's pretty impressive, like gear everywhere. He gave us a little 360. I mean, it's just full of like racks and stuff and keyboards and, you know, uh, every, every instrument you, you could kind of think of. And then some, which I wanted to ask about, I did see a picture of you with a bunch of toys. And I know you like to also, you know, <laughs> on the experimental side, you know, blast some toys through different filters and stuff like that and, and, and get some of those really unique sounds. So it, how, how, how does that work? Like, how'd you get into that? Um, a friend of mine came to a gig in like 2005 and he had a duffel bag filled with circuit bent toys. <laughs> and I'd never heard of them at that time. And I, I feel like around that time is when it was kind of introduced to, to the world. Um, maybe if it was, I'm sure it was around earlier, but that, that's when you kind of heard more about it. But early 2000s, mid 2000s. And uh, he had a duffel bag with all these kids toys. And they had all these extra knobs on them and like some weird light in it that, you know, that's like hot glued to it. Kind of, kind of wabi-sabi looking, you know, these weird, and he painted you know, hand painted. Uh, if there was like a kid's head on it, it would be like cut off with like blood around it. Like it was like this weird <laughs> kind of comical looking kid's toy that had like a quarter inch out on it. And then you like plug it into an amp and you turn it on and you could like touch, touch these sensors and all these weird sounds would come out. And of course I was just like, what is this? I love this. And then he modded keyboards too, to make all these weird glitchy sort of sounds on keyboards, these Casio keyboards. Uh, and I was, I was hooked on circuit bent toys and I collected a bunch of them. I even had like a circuit bent, uh, pedal board, like, you know, guitar players have like pedal, mm-hmm. but I had like a pedal board that just had toys in it. A bunch of toys. <laughs> That's cool. And, uh, and I had them all going into a mixer and just like one out. And I had like a circuit bent toy, station and uh <laughs> and use that a lot and uh and we use would use those sounds for like intros or outros just like weird little it's definitely cap- captivating in a live situation too where you have this sort of glowing alarm clock with eyeballs on it and like sensor <laughs> knobs that you could touch and it makes these weird sounds and then you play piano with it and it sounds dreamy and and movie score-esque uh and for me it was just a perfect addition to the the trio uh and my band uh, as like a, sa- a different sound and then and then i grew into getting like a looper so i could have my casio drum machines looped and we could play along with the drum machines for some songs and then it's just evolved into all you know now i have two loopers with all sorts of stuff sampled in it that's all from here from my room here just all you know uh yeah, rolling drum machine sounds, uh, Casio drum machine sounds, uh, Mellotron loops, and all sorts of things. So, so the toys, the circuit bent toys, sort of started the sort of uh, soundscape element of of my of our music. Um, so, how was that tour? You just got off a tour, a West Coast tour. What is uh, what's the post COVID crowd scene like? People and people back out again. It's you know it's weird for sure. Lots of bands don't 
are seeing like less people come to their shows uh than than previous years um especially in the in the realm that i'm in which is like playing we play for like 200 to 500 people like a night which is kind of small compared to bigger bands um but and i feel like in this world of of you know smaller bands i don't know the the crowds were a little you know it was a little hesitant all that being said like we had two sold out shows in portland oregon and like an amazing almost sold out show in san francisco um but like in general it's it it seemed like a little a little different yeah absolutely it's like a different world out there for sure but it felt it felt great to be out there and i I knew it was going to be a little weird uh but it was awesome and we had a great time and we were just so happy to play i mean i haven't done a two-week tour since 2019. wow so you know right before or no sorry 2020 right before the pandemic we did like a little run down south almost two weeks so you play you play uh Levon's Barn in Woodstock a lot. Um setting aside the fact that you could probably walk to a show there or almost. Um what's what is it about that place that's so special? My I I was telling someone recently, my favorite recent best favorite concert of all time was there. It was the Bar Brothers played there in December 2019 and Brad Barr up close watching that guitar stuff just you know it's hypnotic but you play you played the barn a lot what's what what is it about the place there's 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 the background and the story and everything but is it sonically what like what is it that's so great about there yeah actually I was at that bar brother show I think I sat in with them that night uh, oh yes you did yes yeah. you did yeah sorry I should have. I, no, I I was just thinking. I was like, wait. That yeah, was, no, you were there. You were there. The night that I was there, I was like, oh, I was there. I was home. I was able to go to my friend's gig. It was a great show. Uh, it was a great show. I absolutely love those guys. I've known those guys for so long, and that uh, we were just listening to their record last night. It's just such good songwriters and dudes. Love them. Love Andrew and Brad and that whole thing dearly. But uh, anyway, um, the bar. Yeah. What's that? The barn. What's so great about it? What as a musician? Well, you know, uh, I would imagine it's kind of like the same feeling you have when you went to Leon Russell's place. You know, it's like it's like well, it's called Church Studios, but it, it it is it is like a church in there. It's like at Levon's. People are are there because they love music. They're not there to like party and drink and talk to their friends, which is awesome to do as well. But it's 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 a place to listen. It's a place to kind of feel, I mean, you know, Levon left that for all of us to, to Mm -hmm. have, you know, Mm -hmm. like you, you could feel Levon's uh, his, his, you know, like his, uh, his greatness and his power and his, his beauty, you know, like uh, as a, as a influential rock drummer, of you know of all time (laughs) but uh and singer and and everything and uh so when you go there you you feel like you're in a a sacred space and you feel like you're gonna you're about to get hit with some good music and uh when i play there too i feel like i kind of gear up for a little i like and last time i played there i like went for a long walk 
like in the afternoon and kind of thought about the set and just thought about how it was all going to go down. Like, I don't know, there's, there's some, there's some, uh, some great, uh, yeah, there's some, some good energy in that room for sure. And I was, I was also told that, uh, and of course it sounds amazing in there. And the reason why uh, it sounds amazing, I was told is because of cedar or, or ah. no, 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 it's, sorry. I, I'm wrong. It's, it's, uh, um, what was it called? Um, it was hemlock, hemlock wood. He used all hemlock and like pine and, uh, and, and supposedly that has a lot to do with how awesome. Wait, all right. The way it vibrates or something like yeah, some resonance way, factor. The way the wood isn't so reflective, it also absorbs. And, and my buddy told me that. So I covered up, I covered my whole studio in, in hemlock and pine. Oh, nice. Nice. <laughs> tell you that it, it sounds, it does sound really amazing in here. It doesn't sound too bright or too, uh, you know, I don't know. It sounds, sounds really warm. Uh, so, you know, I, you know, all that being said uh, about the barn, I would also say that Amy Helm, uh, Levon's daughter, is killing it and really like getting some great bands to come through there. And, uh, there's like new people working there and they're also getting a bunch of different bands to play there. So it's, it's like, it's kind of having a bit of a revival of sorts. So, so shifting gears slightly here, uh, we have a mutual friend. And in fact, we were uh, at a dinner party together, you and I, a couple of years ago, Peter Barrett's house. Oh yeah. Yeah. And um, he's an insane cook. And uh, you are also a cook. <laughs> What's your best dish? What do you make? Oh, I love cooking. Uh, man, I make so many different things. I guess if all my if a bunch of my friends were here, they would say eggs Benny, which is a signature dish. Uh, and it's a breakfast. It's a late breakfast sort of dish. And it's like a tomato-y do uh you know with garlic onions and then there's spinach in there and uh it's kind of a spicy little tomato-y stew to go with your eggs and then you make daddy style toast with it coined by my kids which is basically <laughs> uh you know pan fried thick Ooh. sliced toast in in a cast iron pan just olive oil and salt and you just fry it so it's golden and you cut that up so you could dip the bread in the sort of tomato-y. It's almost like a vinegary kind of tomato-y stew, <laughs> thick stew with spinach. So, uh, you know, of course, it goes well with mimosas in the morning. <laughs> and you you could dip the bread in the stew and put the little egg on it. It could be a little, like, over medium egg, you know. And that that's what I would say is my, is my, uh, my big one right there, Eggs Benny. All right. Uh, another one. Tennis. On the cover of Let It Slide, it is a tennis court. There's a shot. You're a tennis player. You're an avid tennis player. I just picked up pickleball. Can we be friends? Is that are like, are you hating on the pickleballers or are they okay? No, I, I played pickleball for the first time about a year ago in, in the winter down in Florida because my parents do that sort of thing. And I was like, all right, let's do this. And uh, I had a good time. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> but, uh, you know, yeah, tennis. I freaking love playing tennis. I played a lot, a lot of tennis yesterday. I'm feeling it today. 
And and um, one of my last ones for you is we we had uh, Pete Shapiro on here uh, a month or so ago uh, when his book came out, and I have seen you uh, at the Capitol uh, and also at Brooklyn Bowl uh, on more than one occasion. Um, he seems to me he's one of the greatest gifts to a musician of your type persuasion um that he's fostered uh an environment for get for you guys to play what you do um uh tell us about pete what's pete like he is a whirlwind of uh energy and excitement and he, he's freaking he is hilarious and he's on it and he loves music and he just wants to make sure music gets out there and cool music venues exist and he wants to make sure people could be all cool listening to music together and that's really where it comes from just a very grassroots like yeah he started the wetlands so it's like he just he's started from basically having a little club to now having clubs all over the country and he just has he's got good taste and he knows like he knows a lot of cool musicians that just want to play and do gigs and do shows and have, you know, followings. And of course there's that whole element of the grateful dead and of all the jam, the whole jam scene. So like those, that whole scene, they're just dedicated to going out to see music like that every night. And if you get people that could get together and play some dead or do whatever, you know, play their own thing or whatever, but like, He's like, and he's like enhancing our scene. He's 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 also taking our our scene to another level, uh, kind of just as much as as we are musically, and you know, and just being the musicians providing the music. He's the ones that he's the one that's like providing the festivals and the venues for us to like go to and be treated nicely, and you know, and there's like going to be a crowd there because they're. You're tapped into that market. It's like a giant mailing list of of. Fans. I love I love the cap as an audience member. Like I was there at the Dylan show where when he reopened it, and I've seen a billion shows there. Is it like of? But I've never been on stage. Is that a special venue, sound wise or whatever uh, to play in? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's funny. I kind you kind of forget it. I've played there so many times that you know. You, you you're like it's just it's so easy and it sounds great all the time uh you, you kind of forget you're like all right that venue is like the best venue it's like yeah i've played like a bunch of other great venues as well but capital theater is kind of this amazing magical spot that has, has now become our you know kind of like our little our like down home new york show <laughs> like even though it's as majestic and like beautiful and big as it is it's still like our uh like it's weird I, I even i even said that to pete i was like man it's weird like because you know pete owns the brooklyn bowls and we've played all the brooklyn bowls all over the place and we play brooklyn bowl and you look out and you can see everyone's face basically if you really i mean i like looking out at everybody when i'm playing so you can kind of make eye contact with most everybody in that spot and at the Cavill theater which is maybe three times the size or more of brooklyn bowl i'm not really sure what what, what it is but it's a lot bigger 
you you could still sort of make eye contact with everybody. And I was like, I was like, Pete, like this room is so big, but I still feel like it's kind of like our like Brooklyn Bowl in a way. And I'm like, he's like, yeah, you can kind of see everybody. I'm like, yeah, like the floor kind of slants up in this perfect way. And you can kind of see everybody all the way in the balconies. And like, I could see where like my wife is, my dad's over there. And I see my friends over there. My friend from high school's down there. <laughs> they probably don't even know that I'm like seeing them all. But uh, yeah, there's something about that venue that is also, you know, like it's, uh, it's, it's like uh, homey, even though it's big. Yeah, totally. There's something magic there. When do we get Benevento 2? When's that coming out? Hopefully never. It's just really dark. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, you know, I, 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 uh, I have to, I have to weed through it all and, and see what uh, I could pull out of there. You know, um, I bet, I bet in a year, I don't know with the timing of everything and how long things take uh, to get mixed and mastered. And then the record vinyl takes a long time to get pressed. I mean, I would, I would hope that maybe in, in a year, maybe less, we'll, we'll see. Um, but you know, all that being said, it's like, I, and I was thinking about this last night. I do like going back and kind of look, working on the tunes that I was working on two years ago, but then there's also like a whole new batch of just new stuff that I will I'm also am working on. So it's like, do I go backwards? Do I go forwards? What am I doing here? I got lots of, I got lots of song ideas on the table and it's, it's kind of pulling me in different directions where sometimes I feel like I'm going backwards by working on old stuff which is not correct. I shouldn't feel that way. Uh, but, and then I, I want to move forward and uh, finish the stuff that I'm working on or just record something that I'm inspired by today versus something that I was inspired by two or three years ago that I'm kind of just trying to finish. So anyway, that's just my, I'm just telling you my thought process. <laughs> Speaking of going forward, people, I just saw yesterday uh, Marco has two shows coming at Levon's Barn that aren't even on sale yet. Uh, in January, right? January? Yep. And uh, you can catch him on, uh, what's your website? Or is Royal Potato Family's the label? That's where we can see all your concerts? Yep, and uh, you can just go to my website, com. All right, check that out, and uh, check out Benevento. It's a delightful album. It's a happy album that came out in a time of... Uh, uh, stress for a lot of people, but to me, it's, uh, it's basically, it's got joy at the core of it. So, Oh yeah. Love the album. Thank you for doing it. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you, Marco. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Great to have you. Thanks guys. See you later. Cheers. Cheers. Okay, so that was fascinating. A look inside the mind of a artist trying to uh, figure out what to do during COVID, but also just I love it. I love his the whole vibe. He said, like, it feels good to talk to that dude. Jesus. Yeah, that studio too, like being in the middle of Woodstock and then just having, you know, Every instrument, every, you know, rack, filter, uh, drum machine, all those toys, circuit bending, he called that circuit bent toys. I'd never heard that term before, but I like that. Like, that, that That's kind of cool. Like oh, to make all those, you know, different kind of sounds. I listen to a podcast sometimes called Song Exploder, 
where they talk about, you know, the, how the song was actually constructed. Mm-hmm. So it's cool sometimes to get those little insights into the different sounds. It's like, oh, I, yeah, I took this, you know, little kid's Casio keyboard and I, you know, you know, and it's like I, you know, use the output into the into this, um, you know, uh, Moog organ that I had and put it made it really kind of fat sounding or whatever. And they and that's and then they play it. I kind of felt there was a bit of that vibe. His studio, if you're listening to this, you should check out the YouTube version of uh, this interview because um, that studio is kind of mind blowing. It's it um, yeah, it looks like a really warm place and looks like a happy place to make music. Um, uh, yeah, so I've, got, me- I've got one for you. You do. Yeah. Let's hear it. I mean, I, I, I just sort of, I, you know, I was just a little bit curious because it sounded like I looked it up. Uh, Benevento. Mm. Right. Ben, Bene. Good you know, times. For, for good, good times. Good. Uh, Vento is actually like the wind. So it's like good wind. And if you think about it, sound. Good sound. It's all, He's a good sound. It's all, yeah, it's all like good sound. And I was curious. I was like, is that a stage name? I didn't ask him. I, I looked up on no, his profile. I don't think it's so. his birthday. I don't think yeah, so. Yeah. That's his name. Benevento. It was meant to be. Uh, so that's a good one. Um, on a similar note, uh, I had one for you a little um, unorthodox. The um, one I was reading Oribindo the other day about music, and he was talking about the fact that. Um, and we don't think about it a lot this way, like because we're so body focused, right? And body mind focused. Uh, a lot of what he stresses is that the body is the tool of the spirit, right? So your body is an expression of your spirit that's basically built your body in order to express itself, right? So he says here um, throughout childhood and youth, the struggle proceeds. The spirit not so much developing itself as developing the body into an image of itself, accustoming the body to express it and respond to its impulses as a musical instrument responds to the finger of the performer. And therefore, it is that the Upanishad speaks of the body as the harp of the spirit. So the spirit is playing you. I believe that, (laughs) right? You are an expression of it. So think of like someone fingers on a harp, right? They're trying to get the right expression out of the notes on the harp. Uh, Think of your body as the harp that your spirit is playing, right? It's why it tries to have you do things and gets you to go do different experiences so it can express itself uh, musically. Um, And listening to Marco's, last album Benevento he's basically he was uh letting the spirit express itself through him in quiet and quarantine right yeah that album rocks it's just so it's just so groovy and it just it does move all like all over the place i you know i i i did i did get a little lcd sound system vibe out of it right like at certain parts where it just grooves so that's why like i can't wait to see him live cuz you can see how during those parts I'm sure he just kind of goes with it, right? He's got a great stage presence. He's a guy, he's up on his piano or his organ a lot of the time, uh, but just like spewing happiness into the crowd. 
He's great. He's great live. Spewing and happiness. like he plays that. with uh we didn't talk about it. He plays with J Rad, Joe Russo's also uh almost dead as the organist. Oh yeah. Um and those guys are yeah. almost cult like in mm-hmm. the New York area. And whenever I've seen them, I always kind of watch him. I'm kind of embarrassed that I told him about the Bar Brothers being my favorite show I've seen at Levon's Barn, and he was there. He was totally there. Yeah, he was like, "Yeah, I was there." Uh, yeah, on no, stage. That's completely <laughs> embarrassing. He was. He came on, uh, sat in for a couple tunes at the end, and uh, I remember at the time being like, "Wait, Marco knows these guys," and it's like, "Of course he does," because they're all similar vintage, similar sort of jammy background. Um, so yeah. He, that guy played at my favorite concert of all time at this very moment. Sweet. So um, I gave you some more. You've been to there, but I'm going to give you some more here. I looked it up. Uh, I was looking up something with music. And um, he's talking here about poetry, art, and music. Uh, and so he does them in a, in a list. He says, poetry raises the emotions and gives each its separate delight. Art stills the emotions and teaches them the delight of a restrained and limited satisfaction. Music deepens the emotions and harmonizes them with each other. Between them, music, art, and poetry, a perfect education for the soul. They make and keep its movements purified, self-controlled, deep, and harmonious. These, therefore, are agents which cannot profitably be neglected by humanity on its onward march or degraded to the mere satisfaction of sensuous pleasure, which will disintegrate rather than build the character. They are, when properly used, great educating, edifying, and civilizing forces. We're going to say that Marco Benevento's music, when listened to properly, is a great educating edifying and civilizing force although he also gives you and like i said you can dance to this guy uh the satisfaction of sensuous pleasure he's a great uh artist anyone who hasn't checked him out you can pull him up on spotify he's got about seven albums on there and um uh dip in anywhere he is a um uh kaleidoscopic he's got a kaleidoscopic uh um uh product he's 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 done everything and he sounds great doing it all 100% agree thanks for listening we'll be back with you next week bye bye after present moments traveling town to town mystery of the Right here, right now Right here, right now Whoa, right here, right now You've been listening to How to Tickle Yourself with your hosts Duff McDonald and Matt McButter. You can help us by liking, subscribing, and sharing this podcast with others. You can talk to us and see what else is happening on Instagram and Facebook at How to Tickle Yourself. This program was recorded in Studio B of the historic Rockledge Recording Studio and the Tunnel Under Arundel. 
Right here, right now, our original 16-part theme music was written and recorded by the legendary Paul Reddick and Kyle Ferguson of The Sidemen with the brilliant Steve Mariner on bass and drums and in the mixing room. The podcast is produced and distributed by Storic Media. Our editor is Andrew Steiner. Our coordinator is Samantha Abramovitz. Our producers are Kristen Verbitsky and Chuck LaBella. For more information, visit storicmedia.com. That's S-T-O-R-I-C media.com. My love, my dear.